We are a community that loves like Jesus, and my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you, not just today, but every time you tune in. Well, this week in person is our Sabbath Sundays for our gatherings, and today's sermon is a break from the Beatitudes, and so we'll be covering the topic of a difficult topic called simplicity. Well, I would say that simplicity is a difficult spiritual discipline because in a sense, it moves my cheese. It makes me make some decisions. It requires me to pursue some change. So today we're gonna talk about simplicity more than just doing away with stuff. See, anyone can do away with their things. Have a garage sale, sell it on Craigslist. Whatever you can do to sell your things, you can do it. Head out to any weekend here in Sherwood or really in Oregon and you will see people getting rid of their stuff. Well, simplicity though is a spiritual discipline. There's a lot of internal work to do as well. Yes, it's external and it affects the world around you, but it's also internal. Well, simplicity is about giving yourself some freedom, and that's why I think it's an important subject to cover, to pursue basically the indestructible impulse to do good in the world than the destructible impulse to gather or to acquire. Well, one of the key elements to simplicity is how little it has to do with the many things that we own and has everything to do with the things that own us. Living simply means adopting a lifestyle that avoids unnecessary accumulation of material items, yet it helps us seek out outward detachment from the things of this world in order to focus our lives on the leadings of the Spirit. Living simply entails clearing our lives and our houses of spiritual and material clutter as so to create more space for faithful living. Simplicity does not mean getting rid of all of your possessions, but rather integrating your possessions into your life's purpose. Well, we need to understand something when it comes to the idea of simplicity, and there's a big question of why. Why do we acquire stuff? Why do we acquire things in our life? Why do we buy? Why do we have to buy? Well, I would say that the main reason our culture struggles, especially the American culture, acquires things so that we can gain a false sense of self-esteem from our ability to purchase nice things. Nice things for ourselves. Purchase nice things for our children expensive things for our family, or expensive gifts for our friends. I have watched people, mothers, fathers, grandparents, buy their children expensive items that last literally for weeks for the mere pleasure of knowing they bought an expensive gift, or with the notion that they deserve nice things. Why we buy things for ourselves, maybe. Or they deserve nice things. That's why we buy, our, buy things for our children that are very expensive and maybe unnecessary. So there is a selfish, almost subconscious attraction to acquire, to make ourselves feel falsely successful. So when you have that urge or feeling of inadequacy or low self-esteem, we need to remember the art of simplicity, and I would say it's an art. It's something to create in your life. 
meaning to scale our life to freedom, not scale our life to the lack of freedom. In Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So simplicity has more to do with the heart than anything else. So another question, why do I acquire? I can answer that. But where is our heart? Today, we're going to take a hard look at our hearts. Why do we turn the crank of life? Why do we work so hard? Why are we working so many hours to make just enough to buy so much stuff, to keep up with what, to compare to what, to make myself feel what? Is it to support a certain lifestyle that we've grown accustomed to? Or is it out of necessity? Or is it out of purpose? I think that's, that's a big question to answer for our lives. So simplicity takes inward focus. It takes some reflection of our heart. It takes a reflection of why do I have this outward expression of buying things? And maybe that looks different for each one of us. The question mark remains for you. It remains for me. Why do I acquire? Well, I think our culture really lacks when it comes to this subject. There is a lust for affluence. There's a lust to be falsely uh, successful or to have an impression. So therefore, our planet is literally being destroyed while I speak to support basic habits of spending in people's lives because, quote, we deserve it. Well, courageously, we need to communicate a new way to live in our culture. And Christian, we can be the spokespeople for the spiritual discipline of simplicity. It has not lost popularity in our states. We just need to claim it as a very godly way to live. And so we need to look at the inward expression. The right perspective of this spiritual discipline is the fall under the submission that everything belongs to God and is to be used for his glory. And what flies in the face of most all our economic human practice is everything belongs to God, even our wealth, even our land, even our stuff in our homes, even our homes, and even the food on our tables. And so Leviticus 25, starting in verse 23, says this, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. So the Bible addresses our grip on acquisition. It addresses our grip on wealth and that, that desire or that unhealthy nature, the human nature that we have to acquire. Well, Luke 16 and verse 10, one who is faithful in the very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then, you will, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to be faithful in true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one or despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and serve money as well. Well, Jesus speaks very clearly when it comes to the poor and our need to strive towards simplicity. Blessed are those who are poor and woe to the rich. We learn that in Luke 6. Now there's nuances behind those phrases. And if you want to learn more, listen to last week and the previous sermons on the Beatitudes because those do relate. They have to do with what owns us, not what necessarily we own, but definitely what owns us. Well, in Matthew, the verses there where God tells us that you're to, where your treasure is, he doesn't say your heart should not be where your treasure is. He says it will be there. So the biblical premise of simplicity points right to the heart. Where is our heart? Is our heart pointed to the kingdom? Is our heart for Jesus and what he desires? Or is it somewhere else pointing a different direction? Well, some ideas for us. The first idea of the position of our heart is the attitude of our possessions. We need to have a correct attitude. It has more to do with desire than anything else. And that internal alignment we need to have in our desires to be pointed towards God. And in 1 Timothy, starting in chapter 6, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So our heart needs to be pointed, that internal reflection we need to have. But yet another idea is in our heart alignment is I need to assess, why am I not content? Why am I not happy with what I have? Where is that desire to have more coming from? Who am I comparing myself to? What am I comparing myself to? Well, we do have an insatiable desire that we buy more and more and more things to fix or to satisfy that desire, and it just doesn't work. You can never have enough to satisfy the desire of acquisition. So Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God will provide for you. He is right there with you. You don't need or should or need to compare yourself to others that you don't have. You have much. So ultimately, God does not condone, though, forced poverty or asceticism, we call that. So God is not saying in anywhere in these verses that we need to force ourselves to be poor. That's like a fake spiritual discipline. That's like a, that's like a, it's not really a, asceticism is not necessarily a real discipline. He tells us that we will face plenty and we will also face hunger. There will be times that we have, and there will be times that we have not. And so these verses point us to the heart position. Where is our desire when we have, and where is our desire when we have not? Our desire needs to be towards kingdom things when we have, and our desire needs to be towards kingdom things when we have not. In Philippians 4, in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So that is a sense of contentment that maybe not too many of us have achieved because when we don't have a lot, which most of us have been in that position where we don't have a lot, it's difficult to be content when you are in scarcity and you have that, that mind of scarcity. God tells us to heal that mind of scarcity and look at our life as enough. The simplicity is that we look at our resources as sufficient and our possessions can truly then be enjoyed. So this subject, we find ourselves at a crossroad of conclusion. The first conclusion is that I can just disregard this and just indulge, just forget it and just go for it and it really doesn't matter. Or I can just U-turn from that and in a completely super, super legalistic way is just become an ascetic and like a forced impoverished person and start judging everybody and denouncing everybody that has because I'm forcing myself to have not. Well, that neither one of those is what God wants. So what's our option? I need to move into a biblical understanding of simplicity. And my motivator to do so is the idea of generosity. You see, the true external expression of simplicity is love of others through generosity. And my prayer is that my life, that I become nothing and becomes everything. And if God becomes everything in my life, then I'm motivated to give my things and my stuff and my possessions and my finances away. The more that I live a simple life, the more that I'm able to be generous in many different ways, not just money, but in the things that I have, but also the food on my table. Love and generosity is my motivator to live simply. So Christ desires it for my life. He asks us to be generous and we need to strive for that. And my motivation becomes that not demonizing products or people who acquire my motivation is generosity. So simplicity is an internal thing, but it's also expressed external. The internal emotional, mental growth is expressed in the tangible expression of generosity. So some of the great examples in modern history that I can give of generosity through simplicity are people like Rich Mullins. I've, I've always loved Rich Mullins' music. He's passed away now, but probably one of the most gifted Christian artists for poetic, lyrical writing that I believe has really probably ever lived in modern history. And I was, I was able to, to, to enjoy Rich Mullins' music for a very long time as a youth pastor being in youth ministry and such, and he was very talented. And the song, Awesome God, he was so talented. The song, Awesome God, he literally wrote that in like 15 minutes. And so he was a very gifted musician. And what Rich Mullins did is he entrusted his entire music and concert income to the church. And it was donated out to ministry. And he worked on a Navajo reservation in New Mexico and lived on an average salary. 
J. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China, spent over 50 years there, and was one of the first missionaries to come up with this novel concept of contextualization, eating their foods and wearing their clothes, becoming a part of the culture. And when he became part of the culture, two-thirds of his missionary income was given away into the ministry, and he lived on one-third of his income. See, God used Taylor in many, many ways to spread the gospel like it's never been seen in China before. And, and it, he did that through the art of simplicity. People have served underprivileged in, in places like France or started organizations like the YMCA all through the idea of living simply. And so people's neglect of desire where they've done away with that desire and embraced enough and become a person of simplicity has started huge organizations and spread the gospel in massive ways all over the world. So here's some practical things that we need to implement in our life to have what I'll call holy obedience in simplicity. Number one, there's some practical things. Number one, we need to buy things for their usefulness. And, and maybe you can use a lot of stuff, yet we buy a lot of things for temporary use. We need to buy things for their usefulness. That means I need to organize my life, I need to plan my life, have purpose in my life, and then purchase things for the use of my purpose and my organized life. But also, too, we need to reject the things that produce addiction in us. Just like a smoking addiction become, can become highly addictive, buying things or having things, acquiring things can definitely be an addiction. And things like gaming or things like, like uh, technology definitely can have temporary fulfillment. Some of them are very, very fun. Some of it, there's nothing wrong with it. But if we're addicted to it, we need to have more of a life of enjoyment than that which has a grip on our life in such a way. Well, number three, we need to develop a habit of giving things away. And we see all kinds of examples of that in the Bible. But Luke 12, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in, the, in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. We need to develop the practice of generosity. So giving our finances, tithing to the church, giving to, um, giving, giving to organizations that we believe in and that we can back and that we trust, giving to people that are in need, giving our things away that we don't use anymore, going through our, our closets and going through our garages and making sure that the things that we have we're using, and the things that we don't, we're giving to others that can use. Even the food on our table, or even the food that we know that we're not going to eat that's going to go bad, give it away. Give it to somebody that needs it, or somebody that can use it on their table. Well, number four, we need to stop being, and this is, this is a challenge, it's a challenge for me, and everyone's guilty of it. Number four, stop being the custodian of the latest technology. The latest and the greatest is not the latest and the greatest. And I, I think about technology over my life and, and certain things didn't exist 10 years ago and certain things didn't exist and are not going to exist 10 years from now. So we need to really question 
Are we being the custodians of the latest and the greatest? Do we have to have the newest and the shiniest and the most up-to-date? Well, number five, we need to develop a huge appreciation for creation. Some of my best entertainment of the week, if you want to call it entertainment, is going out. Going out into the wilderness. Going out and blazing a new trail. This week I just swam the Willamette uh, River 2,000 yards. And it, it was an amazing experience of just being out in creation and growing an appreciation of God's nature. And so it makes me think about things when I'm in creation. It makes me think about how we're not taking care of creation or the things that I own. How much virtual water did it actually cost behind what I have on my body or what I drove there? We think about the things that we waste. When we're in creation, we can actually witness sometimes the carbon footprint on earth that we are leaving. Go, go visit a glacier. Go visit the ice fields. Go see it for yourself. Just get out in creation and that will help us to make different decisions back at home. When we smell the air and we, we feel the trees and we feel the dirt below our feet, it causes change in our life and we want to keep it and we want to preserve it. Well, number six, we need to develop plain speech. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I think part of the complexity of our life is our yes is not our yes and our no is not our no. We're so confused and indecisive about our behavior that we make snap decisions and we go out and buy stuff and do stuff and we forget stuff and we have to replace stuff and we don't think stuff through. And we need our yes to be yes and our no to be no. So number seven, we need to do away with products that oppress people. We need to remember that the things that we purchase Somebody made it, but yet who made it? We need to remember that the sugar that we eat sometimes enslaves people. Children die so that we can eat a chocolate bar. Children are abused for the clothes that we wear. Kids carry weapons and get literally chopped up for the jewelry we find beautiful. I would rather go without a candy bar and, and never eat a candy bar and wear a more expensive shirt that I know where it was made and not wear anything jewelry on my body to assure that the products that I purchased didn't enslave some child overseas. Knowing where things come from and the food that we eat and where it's sourced is a step of responsibility in this. Buying from local farmers, CSAs and such, local-based companies where you're actually walking in and talking with the person that made the product that you can find out where they sourced the materials from. This is something that all of us need to start considering in our life, our lifestyles of simplicity, the choices that we make, the things that we do, the things that we don't participate in, the products that we buy, the products that we refuse to buy, the things that we acquire for purpose, doing away with the things that we no longer buy because there is no purpose, develops a lifestyle of the spiritual discipline of simplicity. And I pray that we would implement these things in our life starting today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that's very clear about the things that we have, the possessions that we acquire. Lord, help them to be useful. 
Help us to get rid of the things and give away the things that are useful for others and useless to us. Help us to make good decisions about the things that we acquire, not only what they are, but who made them and what we're going to use them for. Help us to live in enough. Lord, help us to do away with that sickness of acquisition, that we have that insecurity or low self-esteem. Help us heal that in our lives, Lord, that we can live more in purpose and our heart would be focused towards your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.